Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisela. Welcome to the show, RJ. How are you today? I am so excited about this. I may burst at the seams. You may have to edit it out. Well, I mean, as long as it's not a loud burst, I think it's going to be just fine, I right? Mean, is like, there blood on the camera? <laughs> Right. Exactly. I mean, well, we'll have to see how that goes. And uh, I am too. I'm really excited that I get to meet you. We met through a mutual friend, Peggy McCartha, who was on the show a while back. And if you haven't listened to that episode, give you a plug for Peggy because she's amazing. Um, Seconded, right? Yes, I see. So before we get into the nitty gritty of your amazing business, and this I think will segue for you in a way that is rare. Why don't you share a game that you like to play? Yeah. Well, I mean, my favorite at once and immediately is Dungeons and Dragons. I am one of those, my friends, and proud of it. I love to play it. Did you want to know why or did you just want to know the game? No, please talk about why. I love playing Dungeons and Dragons because... uh, you know, I it just a brief history on me, but I grew up in a place where I didn't tend to like myself very much. And I, I have spent a lot of time in my life putting myself down and thinking I can't and, you know, all the stuff that humans go through. Right. So when I play in D&D, when I step into another character and sometimes say just exactly the things that I want to say, or sometimes end up slaying the dragon. You know, those those pieces of joy make their way in to who I am. Even though it didn't directly happen to me, your brain kind of doesn't know that. You know, it happens with television too. We're watching Project One Way. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Project One Way. And like, we really want someone to win. And like, our hearts are all, you know, we're all, we're all kind of jacked up on that electricity. Our brains like are like, this is part of your experience. Yeah, you're not standing on the stage. It's not you, but it kind of is. That's what D&D is for me is building up that strong side of my character, building up that, you know, so that it becomes easier to pull on in real life. It's it's a game that has its effect on my real life. And that's what I love about it. I actually really feel that. And thank you for sharing. I um I went through some super traumatic things several years ago and I started playing and I wasn't playing and I realized that was a, I've played for my, you know, since I was in high school. And when I made my character for this last campaign that I did, I decided that her backstory was going to be that she came from a fully loving, accepting and supportive family. And I was like, what would you do as a human in the world or an elf? Well, if that was your background. And it was really fun to get into that headspace and to 
really play into that that feeling of security that I felt I had lost in these other experiences. So I I absolutely hear you. There's a, a way that you can really engage yourself in the story of your own life through that the game. I used to play with my kids too. They they started playing when they were like four and five. So nice. We're very much a, a pro D D family. And it interestingly I feel like this might relate a little to your business. Would you be at this point ready to talk about what you do, description of your work, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. Well, I I do the impossible on a regular basis. And what I do is I, I have two sides to my business. One of them is building custom AI and custom bots for businesses. Um, and I have built everything from huge bots to really tiny ones. I have sent over a half a million messages. I know what works and I know what doesn't. And I love bots because they are properly done. Let's qualify that. Um, properly done. They are a two-way conversation with someone. And you can find out where they're at. You can find out all kinds of things just by being able to ask when and where they are, not demanding that they be when and where I am. And so I mm. fell in love with bots. This was 2017. So we're going to go six and a half years ago now. I just, I, I hopped on a bot and I didn't even know that's what I was really doing. And I fell in love fell in love because it was like look look right here like the the bot gave me a choice about what I wanted to hear about immediately I'm like whoa this is different from any other marketing you could possibly employ in your life because most marketing forces us all down the same gate we're sheep that they're trying to force through a funnel uh, we're not we're you know we got tags on our ears we are not people we are numbers that's what most funnels, most traditional marketing makes me feel like and makes other people feel like. So what if you were to take that experience and make it an excellent, engaging, customized journey just for the day? What if you could just turn it on its head? So that's what chatbots are for me. And then AI is a wonderful way to hook some of those things and make that journey part of our larger universe and to connect those bots in a whole different way for people. So the building custom bots were, I mainly work with coaches who are incredible experts in their field, but very highly heart-driven and really just hate marketing. And if there were if there were a way to market your business by putting your head in the sand, boom, we'd be doing it, baby. <laughs> we would be mm -hmm. doing it. Oh, we would because we, we hate and are alienated by normal marketing. Um, the thing is, that's just not really, nothing else is demonstrated. Every marketer out there, you have to have a funnel. You have to have a presence on every single social network. You have to post five times a day. You have to write and, you know, it, 
you have to write an email a day and they all uh, need to be aggressive and pushy. You know what? No. Uh, here's a great big picture of me boop, not doing that because I wouldn't be able to sleep. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to sleep. Um, yeah. You know, too pushy. A lot of people with heart-driven businesses, their businesses die because they haven't found a way to market that relates with their values of how they want to interact with people. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to tell you, it can be done. I'm doing it. Uh, and uh, and so that sort of outlines the other half of my business, which is coaching people, coaching those hard-driven entrepreneurs, those coaches who really just desperately want to connect with people. It's not about getting a thousand people on my list today. If I got a thousand people on my list today, I would have no idea what to do with them. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I get people in, I qualify people way before they get on. By the time they get on, they are interested, they're engaged. They want to follow me, do something with me, buy something from me, right? That's what I want. Mm -hmm. I don't want the flood. I want the interested, qualified, excited trickle because I can do Mm -hmm. something with that. So so yeah, I I spend time coaching folks. I spend time coaching folks on uh, AI, bots, automations, all kinds of those things. But really, you know, I mean, it's about finding out who you're who your people really are, uh, demographics-wise, and then going from there. Many people skip that step. It's really rough. And how this all relates to D&D. So I want to take my people on an adventure. Pack your walking stick, uh, whatever lunch you're going to need, and let's go experience this new world together. Let's do that together. Let's be on the same page. Classes where the professor is up here and everybody else is at their feet learning. That's how a lot of coaching is. You know, people (laughs) assume, and I know you're strong on this, people assume someone else has the answer and therefore they kind Mm -hmm. of pedestalize them and pay them a lot of money and, and, you know, because of all of the... praying (laughs) marketing tactics out there some are persuasive some are just preying on people and and we all we've all fallen for that we've all worshiped somebody else and and disregarded our own instincts in favor of somebody else who has made a million dollars and and i'm here to tell you i have fought those wars no one else needs to ever again a, because Isola is here, but E, there's so much better ways to do stuff. I call myself an unconventional traction strategist. Um, and I want to find a way. I want to find a way where I can resonate with my principles, attract my just right people, and prosper and give to charities I feel strongly about and give back to my community. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I, if I make a million dollars, great. Um, we'll go pay my student loans with it. Um, and we'll pay the house off and you know what I mean? But that's not what I'm out to do. The money is important. I get paid, but seeing somebody else get the lights turned on in their eyes 
about what they're suddenly able to do, that is what I'm really in it for. Watching somebody having a front row seat when somebody else's business mm -hmm. is transforming and nothing knowing that I'm a part of that. I am here to do that. Yeah. Now I feel that, and I agree, like, with the folks that I work with, they have something so powerful and unique to offer. And I get, one of them said, you're a little mother henny, because you're in a, in a positive way. They weren't negative about it, but just like you want to see our, your, your little ducklings flourish and, and, and succeed. And, and I do. And I also want to help, like what you were saying earlier, really protect them while they're building up their confidence in what they're doing. Yeah, because it gets scary when you're creating your own path. If you have any sort of self-reflection at all, you're going to question if I'm doing things in a very different way. And I don't think that's bad to question, say, well, is this really the best way? Like iterating, self-reflection, all very important. And to speak to your earlier point, that gets, I think, sometimes a little bit uh, manipulated as a way for someone to say, oh, I'll, I'll make money off your insecurity. And so I, I want to provide a space where they can have that powerful passion and the opportunity to reflect, iterate, refine, and be in that, get to that place of grounded alignment so they can then choose the right path for them based on what they know is true and not be being responsible. And, and like you said, it's not like I'm not susceptible to it. And I think that's partially why I'm so protective. Um, and I had kids, so I, you have to to keep them safe from the way everyone tells them they're supposed to be too. It's right. And your dogs too. Your dogs and your cats. They're always falling in, trying to do the things everybody tells them they have. Well, not your cats. Cats just do their thing. If we could all be cats, maybe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the backseat. Let's train everyone to be cats. Um, there we go. That's the next business. Yeah. Cat, cat trainers. That sounds super up. Uh, Super easy to do. It's not cat herders. It's cat trainers. <laughs> How to be a cat in your business. That is a blog mm -hmm. article right there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's and, go write it. <laughs> let's let's go write that. I love that. Uh, it's 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 a direct f you to everything that's been practiced out there. It is, you know, I'm a person who is not supposed to be, I am not supposed to be successful. I'm not supposed to be married. I'm sure not supposed to be married to a lady. Uh, that's not, that wasn't in my uh, family's plans. Uh, I'm left-handed. I am, you know, I, I love music and art and computers. I'm not supposed to be. Uh, mm -hmm. if I had listened to all of those people and I did for a long, long time, but something happens when you finally give it up and say, this, it love mm -hmm. this, or there is 7 billion other people in the world. Go get, it. uh, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I am, I am not as sensitive to the opinions of others. I am much more training myself. And the people I work with, let's let's take a minute and listen to ourselves, because we know, we know. Right? What yeah, what. exactly. What does success look like to you? Oh, yes. Success. It looks like a couple things. Can I explain a couple of scenarios to you? Please, absolutely. 
uh, absolutely having enough to give my wife the option to retire. She ain't ever going to retire. Let's just be honest. A woman needs to be doing something all the time. I want to mm-hmm. get our bills paid, you know, my student loans. She's a doctor, but my student loans are outrageous. Let's not analyze that. That's going to take us an hour in itself. Anyway, um, you know, get all of that stuff and get us to a place where, you know, if we want to take off to Dragon Con for a week, uh, and just hang out and I'll paint minis and she'll, you know, uh, she'll do D&D games. You know that that's fine. That's one part of the picture. The other part of the picture is being in that front row where people can recognize how very powerful they are and just how much they can control in their lives. Most of mm-hmm. us, especially as entrepreneurs, especially for just starting out, you know, uh, just starting out with the business from the couch. I totally did that. I eventually moved into the bot cave uh, where we are now, uh, the second bedroom. But, you know, I started my business from my couch just like everybody else. And, you know, especially when you're starting out and uh, everyone wants your business. Almost no one wants to get to know you as a person, but everybody wants your business. And just being shouted out. I shouted out by that many people and trying to figure out where you are in the world. We focus on what we aren't able to do yet. And we focus on let's let's take that next step and then I'll be smart enough to make this decision. Hmm. No. Let's just put a great big no on all that. Because we are, we are, nobody wants us to know that. That's just not how the world world works. Uh, you're not, you know, I was talking about who I was not supposed to be. I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to be a person that could make my own decisions out of my own volition mm-hmm. and have a support group around me that loves me enough to say occasionally, yeah, maybe that ain't the greatest way to go. But I don't have to have a lord of my life. You know, I don't have to have that somebody somebody else makes the final decision for me. I don't have to have that anymore. I gave it up and it was wonderful. Here, here. So the second success that you talked about and, and also the other thing that you talked about, I've never actually heard anyone talk about bots in such a positive way. Yeah. What would you say, how would you see that success impacting your industry? Would you see anything being different if if you were, you know, the you know, to, to in some way make it so that other people saw that in a larger sense. I'm not sure the right words to use here. That That is going to take a re-evaluation of who we are and what we do as coaches. And I believe, Isla, that that is coming. I believe it's coming. Mm-hmm. Because GPT, I'll speak about GPT for a moment. Uh Holy moly, it changed the world. Do you know how long they took to get to a million users? Mm-mm. Five days. Do you know how long mm. it took Facebook to get to a million users? Mm-mm. Two and a half years. Hmm. Um, this thing, it's being adopted everywhere into our daily lives, whether we know it or not. 
health. Health is digging into this AI stuff. It's not necessarily like GPT they're digging into, but health is getting an overhaul because now instead of trying to see everything ourselves, we have something to check against. We have, an, we have a second opinion all the time to check against. Talking about practitioners, not normal people. Uh, you know, like, yeah. for instance, if I can qualify this and put it in a, a correct specification here, folks who read x-rays now have a second opinion that they can consult, which takes them places mm-hmm. and makes them see things they might not have seen. So, like, that, it's expanding rapidly. Uh Chat GPT is now getting installed in uh, Volkswagens uh, for quick lookup of information while you're driving. You just say, hey, car, tell me who won the World Series in blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. This stuff is getting it's it's getting folded in. People are seeing how they can use this as a tool. So what's happening is education is about to get a kick to the knees. Because mm-hmm. we've been doing industrialized, everyone in this classroom must understand these things and pass these tests. Uh, you know, a lot of things are happening education-wise. That we're, we're still in the industrial age. Um, meanwhile, you can look stuff up on GPT now. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, so education is going to get uh, a, a rehaul or an overhaul, but coaching is a lot of coaching is education and a lot mm-hmm. of coaching. And this is what the funnel builders and the folks who are out there hawking all of the stuff that they're hawking. This is what really matters is that we, we spend 90% of our time thinking about how we're going to attract people in and 10% of our time thinking about how we're going to treat people after they come in. Mm. Uh, We've got that magic class we're going to sell for $2,000 to anyone who will buy it. And that's going to, you know, make us rich for the next couple of months. Uh, you know, a lot of people are fed this, li- this lie. Um, that's mm-hmm. not the way the world works anymore. Your stack of videos yeah. is absolutely uninteresting. Um, and taking our points on how we want to educate and serve our people there are so many ways that I can do that with me where it's necessary and where it's helpful and with a bot 24-7, 365. How about role-playing bots for sales calls? Mm-hmm. How about, you know, how about an interactive design journey for people who want to learn how to build their lead? or you know whatever mm-hmm. ever an interactive journey that causes people to think act and reflect and demonstrate that is so much more powerful than any stack of videos you'll ever buy you're about to see coaches take off who understand this and apply this in their business uh, you're about to see the world that we live in and li- i live and breathe coaching every day you're about to see those aspects of it change and mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna be uh you know come uh hang out with me i will take you under my cape it's good uh, you know what i mean like i'm i'm gonna be absolutely yeah. out there mm-hmm. so i know a little about my background and 
I'm still trying to find the best way to ask this question because there's something in your life that set the stage for you to get into this or see this need. And in addition to sort of experiences that you had or identities that you embody, there was also something else because other people had have had those types of experiences or have embodied those identities. But for you, that led to this. Do you do you have a sense of was there a moment or a story or something that created you take people up to the bot cave on a you know definite a quest? There's a whole D and D theme, and in, in terms of this this combination of interpersonal, like you said, computer and literature. What what was that something else? Can you point to that or share that? Well. How so? How long is this podcast? I mean, um, go for it. Well, <laughs> is that I really love because it's such. Um, I find that to be such an inspiring and interesting reveal when people can can really get to that place of what was that? Okay, well, I do have some stories that will certainly serve this poor purpose. Uh, Lovely. I will certainly tell tell one that is okay. just a little crazy and and will I think help uh help illustrate how I got to this point. Um so but I can't tell them all because wow. An 18 hour podcast <laughs> is something no one will listen to. Anyway. Only only Dan Harden would do that. <laughs> like, that's it. I I'm not him. I'm not there yet. Uh, all right, then. Uh, well, so, uh, you know, I lived in a very interesting family. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, hmm. You know, I always tell people that I, I grew up in a perfect nuclear family. And then, you know, I waited a beat and then I said, who's heard of Chernobyl here? Anybody? Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, people <laughs> laugh. I mean... Uh, it, I'm talking from a healed place, not a hurt one. So mm-hmm. I will say that it was an interesting, uh, uh, there are a lot of interesting aspects of growing up. One of them, uh, was that when I was in the second grade, uh, we lived here in Omaha, Nebraska, and, uh, my mom had married this dude, um, who's, who worked at a print shop and whose secret dream uh was to go to uh the mountains of Oregon uh live off the land and pan for gold for the for a living uh and okay. uh yeah most of the country gold rush 1849 my family 1983 so okay so we uh you know i mean because he had read these newspapers uh, and they were talking about people finding gold in the mountains. And uh, like, I look back at that and I go, oh, my God, what kind of trashy National Enquirer were, was happening over there? But anyway, so they, read, you know, studied these these papers and bought uh, a claim uh, in Oregon. And uh, that's what it was called, a claim of land, I guess. It sounds so Oklahoma land rush, but whatever. And uh, and this uh, very fine and mechanically sound, I'm kidding, 
listen, y'all, I'm oozing with sarcasm right now. It was a school bus uh, from 1949. Um, and uh, this, this, this school bus, uh, this, the months, in the months before we left, which I've never technically finished the second grade, in the months before we left, uh, it was converted into a mobile home. Uh, and, uh, there was, there was a, how, like, how many a, people, how many people, how many people oh. were in your converted mobile home? There was, there was like nine. Okay. Uh, like the nine people in the converted mobile home bus that was going into the Oregon, uh, mountains to paint for gold. That tracks, that all tracks. That all tracks. Um, but here's what will really line it up and make it track for you. There is, uh, there is a substance that you can grow when you're up in the mountains that no one will ever see, and you can grow as much of it as you ever want. And it's mm-hmm. from the land, so how could it be bad? Uh, and uh, so there was a lot of uh, recreational drug use in my home. And uh, um, my, uh, my mom was like a secret hippie or something. I'm just... I'm not sure. Uh, I'm just not sure what was going on there. But uh, she had lived a very interesting life as well. Uh, You know, just kind of never really Mm -hmm. did what she wanted to do in life, I don't think, at all. Uh, And uh, really kind of secretly wanted to be this this hippie. And she married this dude who had this dream, too. And so off we, you know, it was converted into this mobile home. Uh, and, uh, you know, a a restaurant booth shoved in here and some bunk beds created out of some plywood. Uh, Somebody had some carpentry skills again with the air quotes. (laughs) Anyway, um, so this, uh, really super mechanically sound uh, bus full of me, my two sisters, uh, mom, stepdad, uh, his nephew, his, her, his nephew's girlfriend, their baby, uh, and a couple more assorted friends, acquaintances, and hangers on, uh, that were just with us part of the way. I don't know. It was, I mean, it was, they're basically a commune, uh, is what they were mm-hmm. deeply trying to start. Didn't catch on, by the way. Anyway, so uh, we, yeah, we left. We uh, started driving to Oregon. Um, We uh, made it there a month later, a month or six weeks, maybe we made it there. Um, And uh, because that bus broke down, uh, that poor bus, I am just saying. Let's just, you know, I mean, we put that thing through so much. Uh, it was, by the way, uh, my mom was, uh, she liked to paint. And uh, she named the bus. Uh, the bus was named Pegasus Rose. And on the front of the bus, where you usually see like school bus, and then there's that little dome or whatever, there was the face of this unicorn. And, uh, and, and assorted things. And, uh, and then, uh, she, she knew that because we had been begging her to paint on the bus because, like, she seemed to be having fun doing it. And uh, we're kids, we want in. Uh, I was about eight. And, uh, and so 
she one day gave us like rainbow colors of paint and we get to dip our hands in them and like up and down the bus door uh, that opened and closed. And we just thought that was the coolest thing. It was a sign of things to come for me anyway. And my older sister, by the way, anyway. So <laughs> we were, so there we are. We are getting like thrown out of uh, RV camps. Like people will take one look at the bus and go, we do not want you. And then you've got, then you've got my mom and my stepdad who are like, that's discrimination. We're going to press charges. You need an address. If you're going <laughs> to press charges on y'all, you need an address. So we did not have one. Uh, so no charges were ever filed. Anyway, we got there. It took a long time. Uh, there were a lot of breakdowns. One fire uh that uh you know claimed no lives and uh yeah i mean eventually we did make it uh to the mountains of oregon uh parked the bus and uh stayed there for the summer uh the panning for gold didn't pan out you saw that coming right yeah just there was just just right away yeah beginning yeah at the beginning uh, that didn't. And there wasn't as much gold uh, as as the the paper that it, my stepfather had been reading had said, and uh, they were all very disappointed. And uh, you know, I mean, they had uh, we had this we had this tarp over a picnic table, uh, and we all still slept in the bus uh, because we didn't. You know, what somebody gonna have? skills and build a house i don't think so um (laughs) we slept in the bus uh and then the tarp and everything we ate was all a pine needle because we were everywhere and uh i don't know my sisters and i played out in the you know forest basically uh you know but out there in the forest nobody around but you and your sisters uh and and by the way, the trip as well. And this is where it starts going from a funny story to I do see where she got some of that. You on the way up, uh, we had three books uh, and I am a fast reader. I have always been. I read those darn things over and over and over again. And uh, at one point there was no there was not a television. I mean. To to have a television, you have to own one and then have electricity. There was none of that happening. So, uh, I I just began making up stories. I mean, because my this brain needs entertainment, and I would tell the stories to my sisters when they were upset because it wasn't a perfect, it wasn't a comfortable trip. For let's see, I have an older and a younger sister, so we have. 10, 8, and 6. Uh, well, you know, and a two-year-old. Let's just do this. Uh, this seems like a great dream. We're going to live off the land. Side note, later on in life, my mother would uh, romanticize this period of our lives. And she would say right. to us, wasn't it, wasn't it a beautiful life when we were gypsies? And uh, not only does that word not have the nicest connotation in the world um which i'm sure she either 
knew and ignored or didn't even know at all. Uh, but I would say, mom, when you don't have an address, technically you are homeless, not a gypsy. Yeah. And oh, uh, my mom and I weren't friends. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, there was this trip and it was absolutely, unless we were babysitting the younger kid, uh, dreadfully boring. Uh, because we would sit in these trailer parks for days and, you know, and I just, I, I kind of, I turned off making friends because it was like, we just have to leave them. So no, uh, I'll stay hmm. in the bus things. So, you know, it was just really a weird, a weird trip on wheels. What a long, strange trip it's been. Thank you, Grateful Dead. Uh, <laughs> and then we got there and now there's nothing. There's nobody around. Uh, so we would, uh, like under these huge pine trees, we would make these places, uh, where we would tell stories and, you know, play all kinds of games. And I had to use my imagination. There was just nothing else. Uh, and my sense of humor, you know, and my sense of making imaginary places, uh, and, uh, and in being lonely, desperately wanting to connect. Uh, I had my sisters during the summer. Um, I had my sisters for the trip. And then my grandmother, you know, she is a nice Catholic girl from Missouri Valley, Iowa. Um, and uh, this whole hippie adventure, she wasn't in. She wasn't in. Uh, she flew up the mountain and uh, we showed her all of our play places and all the things that we were doing. And she just was super, super great about all of it. You know what I mean? She was she was good to us. But she said to my mother. And I heard this conversation and it fills me with hope because what my grandmother said was Rebecca. That was my mom's name. Rebecca. Unless I love you and you can do whatever you want with my you, with your life and I'll support you. Uh, maybe not financially, but I'll still support you. You're my daughter. But unless you mm -hmm. move those children into a house and put them in school in time for the fall semester, they get to come home with me because this isn't okay. And, uh, mm -hmm. well then, we moved to a house uh, with a toilet that flushed it was amazing uh i absolutely now it was all nine of us in this very tiny house and this huge unicorn painted bus outside but you know i mean to me this was living anyway so we moved to the house on k street i remember and uh and we got registered for school uh i when we got to the house i never i didn't go outside anymore I built a fort in the mm -hmm. back hallway and we'd gotten some more books by this time. I just read books back there. Mm -hmm. And if you if you wanted to come see me, you could come see me, but you had to come to the back hallway. And uh, uh, mm -hmm. my parents were like, why don't you go outside into nature? And I was like, I've had enough of nature. I'm completely done. Yeah. I need no more of the nature. Uh, they were so mad. Um, anyway, we got to school. And school, I was so looking forward to. School was going to mm. be 
finally, you know, <clears throat> getting to know more people um, and just being my myself and my crazy wilds. And I was so looking forward to it. On the first day, you know what question they ask you on the first day? What did you do this summer? What did summer? you do for the summer? Yeah. I was so looking forward to this. Uh, and my sisters, they were so looking forward to it. It's like, we have the best story ever. Well, it mm-hmm. didn't quite go well. Uh, because uh, no. the three of us ended up in the principal's office. Uh, <laughs> because they thought we were lying. They thought we were making it up. And we were kind of forever known as the weird kids. Um, because, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, when the adults realized, oh, <laughs> it's true. Uh, by that time, all of the kids on the first day, that's when, you know, you live or die on the first day. We were kind of always those weird right. kids. And I did end up making some friends and my sisters did too, but it was never like I thought it was going to be. And to some certain extent, I wasn't really allowed. That was kind of when I wasn't really allowed to be myself anymore. Uh, yeah. Because it was too weird. It was too weird. And so mm-hmm. what that did was... uh and again, I speak to a place from a place where it's all better, but uh, the the loneliness and the that connection that I wanted was so present for me that it just carried into every day, and it carried into a lot of years afterward, and it carried into mm-hmm. work situations where I didn't fit in, and it carried into lots of situations that were weird, and and. Uh, and I use that feeling today to recognize my fellow humans who have that feeling uh, and to help relieve them of that. Because mm-hmm. it's time we found our people. It's time we stood up. It's time we waved our weird flags in the air and said, you know what? I really don't care about the online bullies. Uh, I got my team. I got my peeps. Uh, and if you don't love me, again, six billion others you can go hang out with. So that hopefully encapsulates some uh, of this wildness. I mean, it sounds like I, I relate to some of that. I think that there's, I think it's that question of, I feel like there are folks that face those kinds of circumstances and their solution is to try and fit in. And there was, and then there's folks who face that situation and they look for how to make things more expansive. And at, like, that's a question I have continually is what is that difference? Cause I, I remember reading, you know, people always say like, no one can make you do anything. And I thought, well, I don't know, but I read this article about this woman and she was like, yeah, my, my boyfriend, you know, I get so mad at him and here he, he says these things and he makes me work out eight hours a day. And that's when I got it. I was like, oh, that's not on my list of responses. There's literally nothing you could do that my response would be, I'm going to go work out for eight hours. And so I was like, oh, I get it now. Like there's, we have a list of responses that are created in us or we're born with. And then something triggers that 
behavior. And for some of us, this expansiveness is the instinct. And I'm just curious, like how, how or why that's where people land. And, and it's a larger philosophical question. I don't expect necessarily any single person to answer. If you had, you looked up as if you had an observation. So I'm happy to hear it. But <laughs> well, I mean, I- I'm one of the people who tried both. Uh, yeah. I just. Go for maximal- you. Huh? <laughs> How'd that go? How'd that go? Yeah. <laughs> I think you might be able to. <laughs> I know. It never went well, no matter how much effort I put into it and lots of effort, maximum effort, minimal results. Um, I only ended up feeling more, worse about myself when I did that. Um, yeah. And if it were still the world, if it were still the pre-internet world, I'd still be doing it. I I would still be doing mm. it somewhere. I'd still be desperately trying to fit, uh, pretending to be somebody I wasn't in order to, to make somebody else comfortable. I, I would totally be doing that because I didn't know there was another way of life uh, until the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started seeing other people do other things. And, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, it took me a long while, but one day it was just love me or leave me or or hang out and look like a jerk insulting somebody you don't even know. do it i dare you my people have an rj sized hole in their hearts and they they hear the sound of my voice so they read something that i write and they go who's that person she's speaking my language what else does she have to say i have to find her and that's my marketing Hello. Uh-huh. Yeah. it doesn't have to be yeah. it doesn't no, i love that yeah no i feel that Tell me about advice you've received that's influenced the way you approach how you do your work or what you do. I have an anti-advice for you. I am ready for it. Oh, my. So powerful. Okay. So in graduate school is when I find I didn't. My undergrad is all in theater. I know that's surprising. Just I'm going to wait for the shock to wear off. So surprising. And then um, eight years later, I decided to go back for a master's in two subjects I had never studied before, Um, you know, uh, because I love school. And I went for a master's in public administration and I went for a master's of management information systems. So computers. Um, I -hmm. went and because I didn't have that undergrad. I had to take some catch-up classes, and I had to take some coding classes. Whoa. Uh, one of these classes was taught by a human who was clearly getting paid to stand up in front of people, but clearly hated that job. And code was is not something that I can do. I'm so happy to leave this up to other people. I can manipulate something somebody mm-hmm. else has written to get my own thing rolling that I want to do but as for write this thing from a blank screen my brain doesn't work that way so I was having Mm -hmm. trouble in this class and I kept repeatedly going to this guy and saying hey and he was you know he was your typical just really loves this coding thing and uh, so he was Mm -hmm. a, a TA for this class and he taught my class and holy moly I kept going for advice and he kept saying, uh, well, I don't know how to explain it to you because code just makes sense to me. 
Uh, and I'd be like, uh, uh, and then like he said that a couple of times, but there were tutors that you could go to because this was like a beginning coding class. So tons of people were taking it. So I would go to the tutors instead who would look at where I was uh, and some of them would try to help me understand the concepts and some of them would just go, I'm just going to write the rest of this for you. <laughs> and so then we get to the the final. And, and so I, you know, I'm always going to go up to the professor and say, okay, you know, what's going to be on there? What, you know, I'm always going to get it from their point of view. Um, and, uh, cause you can get some good nuggets that way. I went to this guy and I said, so, you know, uh, what do you, so what's going to be on the final? And he said, I have no idea. And I said, really? I mean, like you haven't like take, take, taken a look. Cause the questions were written by somebody else. He says, no, I don't, I don't, I don't take a look. I just take your bubble sheet and I run it through the scanner at the end. And that's, that's your grade. And I thought, okay. I have paid money for this person to completely abscond any responsibility they had. And mm -hmm. it maybe wasn't fair to put him in that position because, again, he was a TA, you know. I mean, this is how big schools go. But I, that is the anti-lesson. Listen, I'm not going to never fail my clients. I'm going to fail them sometimes. It sucks. I hate it. They hate it. But they know that I'm going to be there 100%. Hmm. This is my measurement, though. It's not whether I'm 100% successful in everything that I do and everything that I teach. It's how far am I away from, I don't know, I just put your sheet through the thing and it gives me a grade. What do you want from me? Mm -hmm. More. Mm -hmm. uh, my clients want more <laughs> from me. And, uh, and I'm yeah. there to give it to him. I'm there. Love that. So my own experience of being a business development support coach partner with the entrepreneurs is that it, there can be times when there's discouragement or you feel like, oh, I, I didn't succeed in the way that I wanted to for this person. What do you do to keep yourself inspired or to recharge or to come back from those moments? Sometimes I need to get the hell away from my desk. I love it mm -hmm. in here, Isla. There are three giant screens. Uh, there are some, several smaller screens. I have enough to qualify for an evil lair, okay? My dog is at on a bed at my elbow all the time. Like, uh, I talk to my, I hang out with my friends in here, but sometimes I need to get the hell away. Uh, I go down to the basement and, uh, I paint, uh, I build things nice. for D and D games and I paint them and, and it is, it's amazing because it, it, the process of getting away from a screen is very important and something that I need to, mm -hmm. that I am practicing a little bit more often. I feel that. And no, I feel it too. Like I love what I do and I love the people that I work with. And so many of them are remote that it's not even the typical quote unquote, like screen, like it's an interaction. And yet also I feel you on that. Thank you. So for folks who are listening and they want to know more, learn uh, what you're up to, follow you, get in touch. What, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, there's so many ways. 
Um, there's so many ways. If you want to meet with RJ, type in mm-hmm. meetwithrj.com. You'll find my calendar. Nice. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. If you're, if you, you know, if you're thrumming after this conversation going, God, I need to meet her. Don't fight it. Let's just hang out. It's fine. We'll hang out and come right in, uh, right, right behind me. And we will, you know, uh, we'll, we'll hang out. We will, we will chat. You know, it's not, not everything is a sales opportunity. Sometimes it's just a come into my tribe opportunity. See what's happening. Whatever you want to be a part of, you can be a part of. Unless you're a hater. And then I bounce the hell out of you with <laughs> extreme prejudice. But seriously, pop on my calendar. Uh, it's worth half an hour of your time to figure it out. And I may be able to give you some cool tips and tricks along the way. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you chatting with me and let everybody know what you're up to. I appreciate you allowing me to tell my crazy stories, connect with your audience. I appreciate your time interviewing me. And it's just been an absolutely lovely opportunity. So thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate you. And bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us.